Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching. Thankful that you're tuning in today or listening to the podcast after the fact. Today, another great show. We're always so excited by our guests because they have so much great information. If you're looking to make instructional videos, you're making marketing videos, you're making videos just to communicate inside your organization, we're going to have some stuff to talk about today because we've got Andrew Can here. If he can, you can too. And I, I, you know, every time I say his name, I say that. So he's going to get sick of hearing it, if not hearing me say it at least. So, uh, just a couple of things to think about. If if you are listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe, just so we know that you're getting the information, that you're enjoying it. We love hearing from our audience. If you're you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's cool too. But if you want to communicate with us, you can always email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com, or you can find us on social media. Just tag at techsmith on any of your favorite social platforms, and they'll sure to pass the message on to me, to the others that work on the show. With that said, we've got a great content creator. So let's not hold back any longer. Let's introduce Andrew. Andrew can sound can sounds like can. So again, you can, he can, you know, uh, he has a goal to help you. That's like, that's right. Online video creators. Cause that's where we put video nowadays. Overcome. He's going to help you overcome hurdles, stopping you from accomplishing your creative goals using the expertise and methods that he has. He believes when it comes to content creation, that again, if he can, you can too. I told you I was going to say it like a thousand times. Andrew is an experienced film director and has won film festivals for his documentaries. He's skilled in storytelling, YouTube search engine optimization, or as we like to call it, SEO, camera operation, and all things filmmaking. You may know him from his time as director of video production for TubeBuddy, where he used his skills to help grow TubeBuddy's YouTube channel from 6,000 to 525,000 subscribers, which is no small feat, let me tell you that. He's also YouTube and Google's video ad certified, and you can find his content weekly on YouTube, and he hopes that it inspires others to create too, and we're glad that we get a chance to have him. Welcome, Andrew, to the Visual Lounge. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here once again, and always a pleasure speaking with you. Andrew, I, I, you know, I, I love the fact that the, the world of video has brought us to, to get to know each other a little bit and become friends through through the internet. And I, I, I think that's great. But I, I've had the privilege to know you for a little while now. Why don't you, you know, a bio says so much. Tell us a little bit, how did you become a video creator? Sure. So for me, when it came to video, it was kind of a natural evolution of something I enjoyed, which was telling stories, right? Like I've always enjoyed having conversations with people. And when I was in you know, sixth grade, 2006, when I discovered YouTube, I realized that that was the power of storytelling right there, is that I was seeing people tell their stories and really connect with people. And it was literally, I would watch people on dial-up internet telling their stories, like helping others. And I'm like, that's super interesting. That's something I'd want to do. I'd always liked movies and film, right? So for me, I saw that as like the next step. And so when it came time when I was in college, they were like, do you want to go the traditional route or the digital route? I took a chance on digital. And so for me, storytelling just became one of those things that is something I love doing. And that led me to video because I feel it's one of the best ways to do it, whether it's long form or short form. Yeah, that's awesome. We all remember the days. Not everybody remembers the days of dial up. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and digital has come such a long way too, right? With just story creation. I mean, I remember my first video editor I used was uh, way back when in early 2000s premiere and things took forever (laughs) to do anything. Like a two minute video took like all night to render. So uh, that's awesome that 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 
you know, that path that you went through. So I think one of the things that's interesting about you, you, you have, you're working kind of this two sides of the, the coin here. We talk oftentimes about, you know, people are on YouTube and we call them YouTubers, which I think is maybe a kind of sounds a negative turn. You're smart business people is what I like to call you, but you're also doing corporate stuff and we're not going to talk about your job and all that stuff, but you, you get to see it from two different angles. And I'm curious, how does YouTube, you know, like being on YouTube as your own kind of channel and your own personality and doing that, how does that differ for you versus like working for an organization whose goals are probably to sell something, to support their products, things like that? I think that's a great question. And, you know, the difference between, you know, more of like a structured organization and like a personal brand, I think ultimately it's the same goal. It is to connect with an audience and one way may have a little bit more structure, may have a little bit more that may be that corporate background and it has a little more polish. But what I found on both sides of the coin is that at the end of the day, we're trying to make a connection to whoever you is watching. Like right now, you and I are having a one-on-one -on -one moment, which we are lucky enough to share with the amazing people who are watching us live. Thank you all for being here. And what we find is, and what I found is over the years, that both sides are just trying to connect in different ways. And that it comes down to the resources available to them. It comes down to whatever message they're trying to say. So for me, the difference on a personal brand is that I have a lot more creative freedom than maybe when I'm representing a brand. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just understanding how you are creating content, what your goals are. A lot of times for me personally, the main crux of the channel was if I can, you can too. It comes back from watching people doing it before me and there will be people after me. I think we see that with, you know, different forms of media to create content, you know, podcasting is bigger than ever. Short form is taking off. We're live on multiple platforms, which even a couple of years ago really wasn't that big. So what I'm learning and what I see for both the personal storyteller and personal creator and a brand is that their goals are really aligned in that I used to think of them as separate entities, but they're really both businesses in their own right. Because if you do YouTube or any form of social media right to scale, it does become a business. Yeah, I, I love that because I know, uh, particularly in the world I, I work a lot in, is people who are creating, they're usually creating training content, learning content. Um, they might be doing it internally for their employees. They might be doing it externally for their organization, to, you know, like, like we do at TechSmith for our users of Camtasia and Snagit. Um, but I, I, so I love that idea that like, obviously co corporations feel more constraints because they're corporations, they're, they have very tightly knitted brands. They have things that they want to do, but ultimately it's the same thing, right? We want somebody to do something. We want them to take an action. So as you think about that, Andrew, and as you've experienced it, um, what has been the hardest thing? And we're going to start, we're going to start with the easy question. What is the hardest thing you've had to learn, uh, about video creation? Like what's something that you like, it's just been tough because I think a lot of people are just starting this path or they're, they're not too far down the alley. You know, they, they haven't made documentaries that have won awards. They haven't done all this stuff. So we step back a little bit. What's, what's do you think has been hard for you to learn? I think the hardest thing for me to learn is that when it comes to telling a story, right, is that people undervalue storytelling in different ways, right? Like a lot of people will see a tutorial is just, oh, I need help. Let me get through it. But if you really think about it, what is the overall story, right? You have the solution to a problem someone has. You're solving exactly what they need. And if we look at like story structure, and I'm going to quote Joseph Campbell, who is the author of A Hero with a Thousand Faces, which is like the storytelling Bible in film school, right? And so 
what he says is that in every journey, there's like six pieces, right? And the tutorial is just a separate part of that storytelling journey. And the story part that you are is you are the mentor helping the next hero. And there are times when in the story you were telling, you can be the hero. There's a time where your company is the hero. And it's understanding that every piece of content is important has been one of the biggest things I've had to learn on my video creation journey. Because I used to undervalue certain pieces of content, but they would perform and resonate. And I think as a creator, we can get in our heads that, oh, I'm known for X. But in reality, it is what we are helping that is what our audience remembers us for. And it's that when you find that and you really focus on that in your creative storytelling, this isn't so much a technical issue, but it's more of an issue of like, I would undervalue some parts of what I did when in reality, that's what people enjoyed. And I actually had fun doing it too, because sometimes in our head, we have a vision of what we want to do and where we are doesn't align. But when you find out how you can take what you're doing now to elevate you. That's been the hardest thing for me is understanding everything I do day by day is building up to those bigger moments. I couldn't have made documentaries if I wasn't making tutorials because through tutorials, I learned how to do voiceover. Thank you, uh, Camtasia, for that. You uh, are a master in that one. But <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> like that was actually a way I learned was like using different programs, learning what I liked. Why would I try new things? What wasn't resonating with me? And for me, it was understanding that everything I do when I make a film or when I make a video can help elevate. And I stopped and I, I started realizing that I need to stop. The, the fundamentals are what make the big things happen. And I was in the beginning not valuing that, like creating every day and just small improvements as much as I really should have. Yeah, well, everyone who's listened to this this show has knows we always talk about the concept of leveling up, right? Like when we were at that, we we had a chance to talk in I think it was 2018 Video Marketing World did an interview with you there. If anyone wants it, they can find it on the TechSmith Academy. But like we talked and I we, we talked to a, a number of great creators, and I remember I remember distinctly Jeremy Vest, um, who it was his conference at the time. And he, he talked about that idea of like getting better, 1% better, you know, and, and, you know, if you go and read like Atomic Habits and other books, but so I love that idea of it's, you build off the, build a foundation, good foundation skills, uh, you know, learn about storytelling, learn these things, and then, you know, keep, keep growing. So I want can we talk about a little bit more about storytelling? Cause I think, you know, you said something really interesting there, even if you're making a tutorial, you said there's story there, right? Yeah. So, I, I think that's hard, a hard concept for a lot of us because I think like, well, no, I just, I just need to tell you what to do. Step, 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 step. So walk it if you can. And we don't have to, I don't want to get too narrow down and specific because I didn't ask you to prepare an example for this. But I'm just thinking, help me understand how I might do that. What could I do? Sure. How could I apply story to something that's really meant to be much more kind of functional in terms of I want you to learn or do something. And again, it doesn't have to be a tutorial necessarily. It could be a marketing thing. It could be whatever, but I'm, I'm sure the principles apply. I think the, the thing that people get into is that we are rewarded on YouTube, right, for quick answers and quick solutions. We see that with short form. We see things like that. And this comes to how a tutorial can be filmmaking, right? I think that tutorials is a lot like vlogging. It's a medium, right? And I think that it's how you make use of the medium that tells your story. A really quick example of how a tutorial can be a story is let's look at one of the most popular media franchises of all time, Star Wars, right? <laughs> a lot of times people will come in and they think that when they're making a tutorial, they're Luke. If you've not seen A New Hope, sorry, this might go over your head, but I can give you a million different film 
examples, again, going back to the works of Joseph Campbell. We are Obi-Wan in this story. When you are making the tutorial, you are Obi-Wan helping the next Luke. You are helping the next people along the way. And so when you are making a tutorial video or you are telling a story, you have to understand where you fit in it. You may not always be the lead, and that's okay. But there are ways you can be the lead. There are ways that Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker and the prequels are equally as important to that story. It is how you define what you're doing. A great example in a tutorial that I've had is like, just be real. And what I mean by that is I made a video on how to fill sandbags, right? And the issue I was having was like to get a pre-filled sandbag would cost like $30 when I could make for about the same price, four of my own. So why am I spending all that money for one sandbag when I could have four for the same price, right? So it was understanding the story I'm trying to tell is like, this can be affordable and I don't want you to waste your money because as a filmmaker, that and just in general, money's precious, right? So that's a great example of the short story I was able to tell. Is that going to win an Oscar? Absolutely not. Is it still valuable? 100%. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's those small developments that help you understand that most of the time, telling a story is just helping people either overcome an obstacle, helping them feel feel something. And that's something I learned from my documentary days. And it's understanding that a big story is that when we really look at our lives and we look at storytelling is that a lot of times it's small things that cause the biggest change, not really big things that cause the reverse. Yeah. You know, I had this picture of you making this awesome documentary about filling sandbags and I realized sandbags to hold (laughs) down gear. (laughs) I was like, is there like, but even, even that little story, right? Like you drew me in because like, is there a river, was a river flooding? What was it? (laughs) It caused me questions, but no. So I, so I love that, right? Like you're working it into the things and helping to, to share these ideas. So, um, I think the story comes naturally for some people. I think it's also a skill that a lot of us have to acquire as someone who tells stories, who, you know, documentaries ultimately are a story, right? And as someone who has done tutorials, what you're saying is our stories, what would you recommend to anyone listening to this today? How do you go about getting good at that beyond just, I know it's going to say, just tell more stories, right? But <laughs> what what's one thing, like if you, like someone says, okay, I'm, I'm going to start telling stories, I'm going to do it often, what's something they could do to actively make themselves better? Yeah. So one thing I've learned when like helping people over the years, be it for tutorials, YouTube, et cetera, is that everyone wants the answer and everyone's like, tell more stories. There's a reason for that. I would say more actionable is listen and watch what interests you and what is missing from your content and start dissecting. I feel a lot of times that we look at people who have been successful when they are either in the beginning of their success or even in like the highlights, but we forget that every winner was once a beginner and that we have to dissect what they did successfully. And that's what a lot of people did. I mean, this goes back to the great Renaissance artists. This goes back to, if you listen to some of Casey Neistat, who's pretty big on the YouTube platform, if you listen to anyone long enough, you'll start realizing what they started doing was dissecting what worked. And that is really what I would recommend. And people are like, what is actionable? If you are trying to get better at telling stories, watch people who are telling stories and what are they doing that's drawing you in? You mentioned earlier in my sandbag story, I could have clarified more. That's a learning moment for me. Clarification is everything in storytelling. And that is something that you can get better at day by day. You mentioned your level up, the 1% better thing. That applies here as well. So when I focused on a story I'm trying to tell, the first thing I had to do is remember small stories still matter. And stop getting in your head about it has to be this amazing, huge thing. 
because you're not going to get to that huge story until you tell those little stories that help you build up to that moment. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I look at some of the things that Pixar does, and there's a great book, and I'm, I can't remember the name of the, it was by one of the creators of Pixar, and they go through the whole kind of creation of Pixar, all the things they're doing, and Pixar, of course, are they're fabulous storytellers, right? Yes. But often they're direct, people that become directors don't start, they don't get, say like, here we go, here's a film. They say like, <laughs> here, make this short, make this, do these pieces, and I and I think it's a really, really wise advice, right? Start with a small story, start doing the little pieces and then you'll figure out how to put them together. Um, and I also love that every winner was a beginner. That's just, you got some brilliant marketing quotes here. I'm gonna, that could be, we've got, I think there's some chatter about some t-shirts. You, you know, the, if you can, I can too, uh, or if I can, you can too. Every winner is a beginner. We've got a marketing. I think we just need to put these on <laughs> stickers and everything, Andrew. Um, I can't take credit for the every winner. That goes out to Hasfit. Got to always, also important to give credit. <laughs> abs- oh, absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So, you know, as I think about all the things that um, you might be doing, you, obviously you're starting to nail down your stories, you're nailing down your form, almost formulaic. I mean, you don't want to be formulaic, but you want to find the patterns that are re- repeatable and scalable. Um, if As you look at your, your kind of journey as a video creator and you're thinking about the kind of the hurdles you've had to overcome and everyone's journey is a little bit different, like you said um, – if there's something you could let go, like there's something you could in that process, you could say like, yeah, I, I wish I didn't have to have gone through that and just known, uh, what would you, what would you have changed? I mean, obviously you are who you are because of the things you go through, but, uh, is there something you're like, man, that was not even worth the value of the lesson of going through. I don't know. Does that make um, sense as a question? No, 100%. Like one of the things I learned was there's power in scripting. Like I was, I was so worried that it's not authentically my voice and I got to come up it would take me five hours to film an IRL part. And I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm hating it. I ended up making it way harder than I needed to be. And then I got a teleprompter and I was writing it out and I was really thinking like cleverly. And that was using my film, like my script writing skills in a different way. So for me, I spent all this time worried if I'd be authentic to when I was just trying to speak to a camera. Anyway, people are like, he's obviously reading for a teleprompter anyway. And I'm like, you know what, if people are going to accuse me of it, I might as well just do it. And, after I started using the teleprompter, I started hearing, wow, you're so much more natural. You really have this. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? So I think that a lot of times we get into our heads over these things that millions of people use every day. And we think we can't use it ourselves or that there's a negative to it. And for me, what used to take like two hours of just me trying to get it sounding exactly right. It just learned to be like, just keep reading it, keep doing takes until you're happy with it on a teleprompter. And that ended up being better for me. And that was the thing that I kept seeing people were like, oh, if you use the teleprompter, you're not authentic and all these things. And reality was, use what helps you create content. There's a great comment here that says, use what works for you. And that, for me, is what worked for me. And so that was a way that I was able to save myself time. And it's something I wish I knew earlier. Also, don't sweat about gear. A lot of times people are like, when I get a DSLR, I'm going to make videos. <laughs> we have we have cameras in our pockets that are more powerful than cameras that were used to win like Oscars. So the time to start is now, and that is important to remember too. Yeah. I, I, well, I love that, the authenticity. It's not about the gear you use or if you're reading or not reading. It's, a, it's 
really about who you are and, and the message. But I, I, I definitely know, I see that struggle in uh, our audience, right? That scripting is hard. It takes time. Reading from a teleprompter takes practice. And I think that's what I, I think I take away is that like, if you want to get good at something, go back to just keep getting better at it. Um, so you mentioned gear. So how can we not talk about gear since you mentioned it, right? Uh, <laughs> I love what you said because we, I'm also a fan of telling people like you've got an amazing tool. We're big fans of the mantra of if you've got any budget, go microphone, lights, camera. For you, what's the one kind of in, indispensable piece of gear you tell people like, yeah, if you're going to spend any money, spend it on, what would you say? I usually go audio because I feel that people can forgive mediocre video but they can't forgive audio if you've ever watched a video and all of a sudden your ears are blown out you immediately turn it off and that's like a just a human how we are now in the next order i'd say lights because i the the issue i had was like oh i have a dslr all of my issues are going to be fixed now no lighting is so important and that was a mistake i made is like i was investing into these big like these camera bodies and my image looked the same. So they say lights, camera, action, because lights go before you even start camera. If I were to update it, I'd probably say Mike's lights, camera, action, just because you want to make sure you're recording. I've seen too many people have the issue where they are not recording audio, myself included. You've just performed the best take you've ever done, and doesn't matter because you didn't turn on your mic. So that's why I'd probably say Mike's lights, camera, action. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I am not a uh, on on set big film kind of I've never been on a big film production, but they always talk about, you know, they say audio rolling and then you mm -hmm. get the, the standards because that's, that's great. So Andrew, we've talked a little bit about gear. I, I think what I'm interested in, and you help a lot of people focus particularly on like growing their YouTube channels, having that presence there. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the things we've talked about are uh, applicable lessons to what you would talk about on your channel. I'm curious. So what other advice would you give us? Uh, and particularly, I, what I talked when I talk to people that I talk to, they're usually not trying to become uh, like a Nick Nimmin or Sean Cannell, right? They're not trying to grow to a million subscribers on YouTube, but they are working internal organizations. But they might have a YouTube channel, or they're just trying to get better internally communicating. What's what's the trick here? We've talked about kind of just taking it day by day, growing where you're at. If I want to get better on YouTube, uh, I want to make a better presence. We tell stories. Any other secret sauce you have for us? We want the, we want the goods. <laughs> So the best advice I have is, you know, when it comes to growing on YouTube or just growing your skills, it's understanding what are you trying to grow in? Are you trying to grow in tutorials, right? I talked about how tutorials are a medium. Are you trying to be better at public speaking? Live streaming is a great fit for that. For YouTube, there's so many different ways you can approach it. What I have found is that studying the platform before taking action was huge for me. You would never build a house without a blueprint, but so many times people will start a YouTube channel without that blueprint. And I'm not above it. I've done it many a times. And then I learned from starting over that, okay, that worked. Sometimes you just have to start. If you're working for a brand, the most important thing you can do is lay out the blueprint of what solution are we trying to solve? What are we trying to help our audience understand, overcome, or find solutions for? And a lot of times when you do that, that's what causes success. If you look at what Nick or what Sean have done, they've understood that the issue that people have is how do I grow on YouTube? This is hard. Like, don't get it twisted. We are looking at people who are in their heyday. They are in the up and up. And so 
we get lost in that. We see so much success. We know we're supposed to be on these platforms. And then we get way into our head about it. And that's, that's true on all of us. I'm not above it. Like sometimes I just take a breath and go, you're on the path. Keep grinding because that's what you need to do. So my advice for people who are trying to get onto YouTube, both like just philosophically and then actionably, philosophically, breathe. (laughs) Focus on what you are enjoying doing. If that's live streams, if that's what's connecting with your audience, do that. If it's shorts and that's really resonating, do that. Figure out what is working. Figure out the research you need to do beforehand. What does my audience need? What are people searching for in my industry? And a more technical stuff, if you want to know what I'd recommend, look at where your audience is coming from on YouTube with traffic sources. Understand that when you get an impression on a video, that means that YouTube has shown it to a person for at least a second. So if you have traffic sources impressions, that means that YouTube is working, that your content is being out there. But then understand click-through rate, which means that when people see it, when they get an impression, when they see a thumbnail, if they're not clicking through, YouTube is working. You're just not convincing people to click through. That's the actionable stuff that I had to learn too, because a lot of times I'm like, I'm getting so many impressions, but the reality was I wasn't convincing people to click. And that goes down to the storytelling of the thumbnail. Yeah. So I want to talk about grinding for a second, because I think that's one of the things that we are generally, a lot of us want instant success. We want to be, (laughs) you know, I want to start my YouTube channel or my Instagram reels or TikTok or Twitter or whatever platform it is, or even if it's just a website and we want a million people to look at it. Like we, and and I get the desire, right? I have that desire too, whether it's for the visual lounge or for other things I, I create. But I, I've noticed, and I, I'm, we'll spill the beans on this show a little bit, right? Like if you look at like our overall views, like per video, it's still growing. It's, it, you know, but it's not like massive compared to like some of the other videos that TechSmith does that have a lot better kind of narrow focus reach and stuff like that. But what I've noticed is the number of people that are seeing it over time keeps it does keep growing right and we're we're working on things to make that better and better i think that goes to what you said about understanding the platform and so the other thing i'll mention to that grinding is just my conversations with with nick with sean cannell with a bunch of other really smart people on these platforms is that they'll tell you amy landino will tell you it did not happen overnight none of this is overnight right uh so the expectations are 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 tough so I think that can be frustrating though, Andrew, and I'm sure maybe you felt that as you, as you work to grow your channel, uh, you know, uh, so I love the advice that you gave. This is kind of, you know, like you're on the path. I'm, I'm curious, um, when you, when you kind of get to that point where there's frustration and is there, is there a stat particularly that helps make you feel better? Because I think it's, you know, there's ones that are like, obviously you need to know, like you, you said, that are you convincing people to click in and watch? Are you, are you keeping them through the video? But is there something that you look at and say like, okay, as long as this, uh, I'm, I'm on, that, that's even maybe more of a, a just feel good indicator? Yeah. I mean, this is something I, I always tell any creator. And this is something that I think we all take for granted, myself included. I know a lot of conversations I have with my friends is like a lot of times we don't understand that. The one-on-one connection, even as a smaller creator you can have, is so important. If you're looking for a stat to make you realize your reach or your potential, even as a smaller creator, look at watch time. Like, really think about what that means. Like, I had to explain to a channel I was helping the other day, like, you have 5,000 hours of watch time. 
that's a lot of people who have given up time in their life to spend with you. And we often forget that most of the time people are watching, it's a one-in-one experience. You are connecting with that person in a real way in that moment. And it doesn't have to be something that makes them, you know, cry or like be happy. It could just be, oh, you saved me. I was stuck and I couldn't figure this out. Like that gratitude is real. And like we forget it. And like the more you look at the watch time, the more you start realizing that's that's to scale. That's how many people how much time people have spent watching me. That can be incredibly humbling because we don't get our time back. But people have chosen to spend that time with you. Whether it's a personal brand or a huge company, that is something you shouldn't take for granted because we can never get that time back. I love that because I, yeah, I have looked at watch time and it, it is amazing. Sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, if you do the math and you're like, do you know how many days that is? People spend <laughs> 20 days on this video. <laughs> Holy cow. So, and uh, I'll be tastic in the chat just said, after 30 years, I became an overnight success with silence of the lambs as a quote from Anthony Hopkins. Exactly. Right. 30 years of, <laughs> of working at it. We have a question from the chat. Our good friend Gord Eisman. I think you know Gord. Uh, shout out to Gord. Shout out, shout out to Gord. He's just fantastic. Gord's asking, uh, what does Andrew think about multicam setups for live streaming? Do you think it's overkill? So let's. Can I preface this a little bit by saying, for those who might listen to this or not know, multicam means you have. We have one cam here. Like I have one cam. Means I'd have a second cam. I could switch angles, or maybe I've got a third one. That shows another angle. So it's you have more than one camera in your setup to switch to. So for for Gord, Andrew, what do you think? It, overkill for live stream? I think of it like this. What is the purpose of setting up multiple cameras? It's like a tutorial. Why are we drawing attention to one moment, right? What is the benefit for the audience? And that's something I think about for multi-camera, right? So when I'm doing any kind of thing, it's usually just me talking directly to one camera. I've been going back and forth if multi-camera makes sense for the content I'm making. One thing I'm working on now is like an overhead camera setup. I'd say, does it make sense for the content you're trying to make, right? So one thing that I realized could be helpful for my audience is people like subconsciously, I think we all can do this, is we forget that we know a lot. And so like I'll start using keyboard shortcuts in video editing, and I forget, oh, I should probably say what I'm doing. <laughs> so I know that when I was doing a tutorial on Adobe Creative Cloud Express, they asked me for a quick thing on how what keyboard shortcuts. So that made me start thinking, and this goes to you too, Gord, if you ever want to do like a, you know, maybe you're doing Camtasia Live, or maybe you're doing a presentation, and this goes to anyone watching. You can have like an overhead camera setup of your stuff, and that enhances the viewing experience because then they can see what you're doing. So if you want to do multicam, it's overkill if the only point is yourself, in my opinion, unless you want to show a different side or you want to show your studio and ask questions that way. But as long as it makes sense to your goal, which is whatever you have set for that video, I don't think it's overkill. It absolutely can become overkill, but it always depends your intention with it. I think a lot of people do it well, and I think I've seen one stream that had 17 cameras. I went, that's a lot of angles. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of angles. Holy cow. Well, I, I, I love that, you know, intentionality is something that's, I think for anything in your video makes a lot of sense. I think of, uh, ho- when I think of like Hollywood videos, which, and we're not trying to teach anybody how to do Hollywood videos, but I think about how everything, like you watch behind the scenes documentaries, everything has a reason or a purpose for being there. It's not just, 
well, we wanted to make it look good. Like you're, you're doing it all with intention. So I, so I love that. So switching gears here a little, Andrew, um, as you think about all the projects that you've done for, for yourself, for organizations, um, any tips that you have for keeping viewers engaged? I think the multicam uh, helps, you know, like it could be a reason, right? Like you want the movement to keep people engaged, keep them watching. Uh, but anything that you would suggest to help people to, uh, we already talked about story, but beyond story that maybe it's in the editing process, maybe it's in just the creation process. You say like, yeah, this is going to make my viewers want to keep watching or be engaged with the content beyond just using a good story. Hmm. So when it comes to tips to keeping people watching and keeping their interest, I think a lot of times it also depends the kind of story that you're making, right? So I think that it's okay to understand that some things aren't going to be more complex than they are. Like if I need to show you a simple way to save something in Camtasia, that's not going to necessarily require 13 angles and that's not going to need explosions. Maybe it might definitely catch people off guard. I know if I was watching a video and that happened, I'd be like, Okay. I would say when it comes to getting people to watch longer, it's understanding what is the value for them to keep watching longer and what can you do that would keep you interested. A lot of times people don't look at their content objectively. And I, I'm just as guilty of this. This is something I started doing really in the last three or so years, which has seen the most growth is I started watching things objectively. Is this actually enhancing the story or do I just like this? Nine out of 10 times, it's I just like this. And it's understanding that you can have those moments, but you don't need them every five seconds. I think that's what people get confused over is like, they're like, well, I have to have my personality. It has to be in the video. And it's like, absolutely, it does. Does it need to be in it every three seconds? Because I think we've all watched a video where it's like, all right, here is how you use the smartphone. Anyway, I was once enjoying this dinner. But anyway, the smartphone's really useful. But did I tell you about the time map that I was really thinking about forks at one time? You think I'm crazy. <laughs> One, I don't think about forks that often. This is just a bad example live. But two, I think it, it does go to the core of the issue where it's like people want to show who they are more so than sometimes thinking about what is the most interesting for someone watching. And I fell victim to that. And when I started thinking, what is the most interesting way for a viewer to get this information that I can be creative about? That's when I found ways that I could do in-camera transitions that made sense to the audience that where people are like, whoa, I rewatched that because I couldn't figure out how you did it. And that caused discussion. And then people were watching longer because I was finding creative ways in the medium I chose to tell the story I wanted, which in any case, in this case, you know, we're talking about storytelling and how people can use it, whether they're, you know, whether they're a corporation or whether they're a personal brand. It's like when I'm talking to you, you watching, this goes to Gord, this goes to Albitastic, this goes to Garth, this goes to you, Matt. All I want you to know is that when it comes to telling a story, focus on looking at it objectively as a viewer, but also look at it as, am I trying too much to tell to be in it or am I actually telling the story? Yeah, I love that. So a question about this. So, so, you know, we've talked a lot about learning, like you, you're doing things, you're trying things and you're saying here, I'm putting my story and doing this stuff. Now I'm trying this transition or whatever you're doing. How are you learning if that's working? Are you, I mean, are you just looking at analytics? Are you talking to your audience when, you know, you're going through your progression? How is it that you're figuring out, yes, this is what I should continue to do versus stop doing, or maybe I need to try some different things? Sure. So 
I think the easiest way to get like a just blank, here's the facts, is always look at analytics. I always say that the data does not care about your feelings when it comes to YouTube analytics. Mm-hmm. I've seen people say, well, I've spent so long getting this shot. And I'm like, and unfortunately, it's causing a lot of people to leave the video. So I always look there if I want a super blunt, honest answer. I find that that is usually where I can find it is in that. You can see where people are dropping off. I also think I do communicate with my audience. You know, I let them know that, hey, I'm working on something new. What do you think about this? There are Discord communities or Facebook groups or a bunch of different ways that you can get that. You can ask live like we are here. So I think that it needs to really be said that when you're thinking of like, how can I know if it's working? You have multiple different avenues, but what do you care the most about? If you care about the most people watching longer, then you're going to look at that watch time. If you care about people sharing it, take a look at what data you care about. If you were trying to grow subscribers and you just put out a video and 14 people unsubscribed, that's not the goal that you set for yourself that you're trying to reach. You mentioned with the Visual Lounge that you have goals. What are those goals and how are the episodes elevating you towards those goals would be my question. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a conversation for another day, though. Uh, we, we got a couple comments <laughs> you know, I want to... See how clever he is? <laughs> I am. Uh, tricky. I, I definitely have some comments I want to share from the audience because I think for the podcast listeners later on, we'll appreciate these. Gord Eisman says, in a film class I took, it was mentioned that if you cut out a piece in your edit and it doesn't change slash add to the story, then it wasn't necessary to tell the story, right? Like, So you got to start thinking about like, kind of, I think that goes to storytelling to the feel, right? Was this a necessary detail? Did it lead my 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 video forward? And then Garth says, make the story the main thing. Absolutely have to look out at, look at it from the audience point of view. Fun for me may not be consumable or infotaining. Absolutely. Right? Like we have to be careful that what we enjoy is <laughs> is not necessarily what our audience will enjoy. And ultimately I think it's our it's about our audience. So a thousand percent. All right. Uh, we're gonna get to our speedrun questions here in just a second or two. Uh, Last question I want to kind of generally leave with you for our, those who haven't heard the speed round. It's quick, fast answers from Andrew. Uh, maybe on topic, maybe on, not on topic. Uh, so, Andrew, before we get into that, the biggest lesson learned from, from videos. Like, what's your, your kind of high-level overall arching takeaway for us? The biggest thing I learned from videos is that it is not up to me to decide the value of the video. As much as I'd like it to be, it is up to the audience that watches the content, at least on this platform. And that for me, I've also learned that video can say more than you think and also less, depending on how you make it. There's a lot packed into that. It can say more or less. I love it. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, Andrew. Quick, short answers. So let's jump into our speed round. All right, let's do it. Okay, Andrew, first question. Favorite movie or show that if you, you watch, so you got to be an active per- viewer of it, that you wish you could work on? You know, we're not working on in Hollywood, but if you could, what would it be? Favorite movie or show? If it had to be a show, I'd really like to work on Abbott Elementary. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really fun show that's on ABC, and it talks about the struggles of teaching. Think teach The Office, but for teachers. Okay. Uh, my my wife works in a school, and I don't need any more uh, examples of real life Understood. education <laughs> problems and challenges. All right, we love our teachers. We know a lot of educators use our products, so thank you all for all that you do. Because it's oh gosh, life is hard. A thousand percent. 
Okay, next question. What's the strangest video creation thing you did? So that's kind of a vague, broad thing that surprised you that it worked. So you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to do it anyways. Any thoughts? I, I, I was running out of ways to show how useful sandbags could be going back to it. So I put it on top of myself. Like it's a film sandbag. There's only some way. I was like, you can use it for light. You can use it for this. I'm like, you can put it on someone, I guess. And that's what like everyone gravitated towards. And like my whole comment section is like, wait a minute. Why would why would I ever put a sandbag on a person? And people started coming up with actual logical reasons. So that was one of those things that I tried just being random and off the cuff that actually resonated. I, I love that, that it's an alternative use for sandbags that maybe wasn't your poem. It's interesting <laughs> how those things sometimes work, like things that catch, it was probably just like through, you know, I think sometimes surprise is a great, uh, we talked about engagement earlier. So I think sometimes surprise can be that thing if not done overly used and, done in a good way so okay next question where do you turn for inspiration you're obviously making a lot of video you're teaching people a lot of video but where how do you go about getting inspired lately it's just been going outside again safely uh it's just been you know one thing i find myself doing is that i'm so focused on creating content that i forget breathe look around you like i spent all a lot of time just being in a room focusing on creating content instead of living life and a lot of times I feel like that's a trap a lot of us get into. So for me, it's just been going out, breathing in fresh air and just enjoying the world. You obviously don't live in the Midwest where it's like 20 degrees and snowy right now. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's a great advice because I know it is so easy to get caught as a video creator. I'm behind the camera. I'm behind the screen. I'm editing. I, and there's a window over here that no one can see. But... Uh, it's, that's great life advice, right? Like just go be inspired by the people and things around you. Okay. One last question for you on our speed round, Andrew, and I will warn you, this is categorically been told to me by every guest that we've asked this question to the hardest question we ask, because we ask it to everybody. All right. We're going to, we're going to flip the table on you. What's a question you'd like to ask me? I would like to ask you is, you know, we were talking about storytelling. What's the story that you're most wanting to tell but you haven't yet oh gosh that's that's a an interesting one um and broad not just at TechSmith, right like i can tell yeah. if it's any Same. story so i you know i work a lot in my faith community and uh, i think there's a number of stories that i would love to be able to tell just um we're, we're working on some projects about service and like this last uh holiday season we actually put together an event and we we're able to help a couple organizations that uh you know, help work with refugees coming into the United States, providing them with some stuff. And so there's some things around there and the number of opportunities to serve, like just to do good is amazing. And that's when I would really like to get that message out there and tell that story of how easy it can be to get involved. And like, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a lot of, of, of things. You don't have, all you need is a little bit of time and, and a willingness to, to do something and you can make a difference in uh, a ton of people's life. And so that's, I think that's the story I'd like to tell. That's beautiful. And I think we all want to see it. <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. You know, <laughs> I, like, I, come say, on, I'm trying. <laughs> I will say, and, and this might sound funny to everybody who's watched this show for the last like two years and seen me be on camera over and over. I actually find that one of the hardest things about film creation, video creation is is getting out and turning the camera on. This is easy when it's just like in my office, I'm alone, but put me outside and with other people around and I get very self-conscious about having a camera set up and 
or even just going around shooting, like I get very nervous. And so, um, I mean, I'd, Andrew, any advice on how to get that other right than there, just doing it? How do you get that, better? But no, but that, that's the beauty. That's the story. You're worried about it. So do it. Talk about why am I worried? Unpack that. That right there is relatable, authentic, engaging. Like even when you were explaining it, I'm like, I want to see why. Because that's what a lot of times we often in a tutorial tell how, but we forget the why. And it's an easy thing to say, like how to fill a sandbag, but why should I do it? Mm-hmm. How to record your screen. But why should I do it? It's often easy to say how, but it's hard to explain why. And in your explanation, like, I want to know why. Why Why is it uncomfortable? And maybe, it, it, like, a lot of times I say that camera is therapy because you're like, oh, gosh, I got to be real. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Andrew, I'll, I, I will get my insurance to you and we can start therapy today, uh, my camera therapy. No, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I, I do think there's something to that, right? And and I think my why is, is and we're going to just be super transparent here, is my why is I feel like I'm worried about, all the other things, all the things people might be thinking, even though I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm not causing any problems. I'm not getting in anybody's way. It just, it's, it's different. Like I have no problem. And literally I have no problem getting on a stage talking to a thousand people. I love it. I would do, I would do that every day of my life. If I could, I would do the live stream every day of my life. If that made sense to do, it does not make sense. To, you guys don't want to hear me every <laughs> single day, but, but all of a sudden put me in that position. It, it just, it's a very different comfort zone of trying to figure out how to do that. And, and, and to do it well is tough, right? Like I've not mastered the, this, I feel like I've mastered what my camera setup is going, I'm changing stuff and got to make it lighting and all this stuff work. It's a lot harder. And so I think the why is I feel just, there's something that's uncomfortable to me and I haven't quite figured out like how to get through that. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think it does. And I'll go back to Joseph Campbell. We started there. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Okay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to make a video. I'm excited for that. Got to, got to think about how, what it's going to be, but I got to enter that cave. So Andrew, thank you so much. Any, any parting words for us before we wrap up today? Yeah, I would say that if you are wondering what can you do to get yourself to practice, we talk about learning, we talk about studying. One of the things that I learned, you know, you mentioned a book, uh, it was very helpfully shared by uh, TechSmith, whoever's monitoring the chat, thank you. Uh, It was Creativity Inc. And one of the things I've been learning from a lot of creatives is that when they get, there's so much we can do. But one of the things that helps a lot of people is that they just open a window. You mentioned we have our closed windows in our offices. They put down their phone. They just have the writing software in front of them. They look at the window. And until that gets boring, they start working. And trust me, that's something I've been doing where I'm like, I'm bored. So I might as well start working. And then I get into a state of flow. I think that that is something that cannot be underrated. Find a way to enter that state where you are just in it. You are, it flow is just high, just you are so focused and caring about what's in front of you that nothing else really distracts you. Find your way to get to that state, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I I love that advice because I don't think as creatives, whether you're creating instructional design, you're creating documentation, you're doing tutorials, you're doing creative work like for YouTube or whatever, I don't think we give ourselves enough time to let it uh, permeate and be and be uh, kind of let that creative process work. So, Andrew, you know what? I think if you can, I can too. <laughs> That's that is the goal. You see, I, I'm good. I can quit. Thank you, everyone. This is a lot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's it, a we're lot. Done. <laughs> well, Andrew, 
Thank you so much for joining us today and all your great answers and your stories and your details. Uh, we are so appreciative of all that you share. Guys, check out Andrew's channel on YouTube. Where, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube. Just search Andrew Can with a K, K-A-N. Or you can find me on Discord at the Can Do Creator Community. You'll notice a lot of puns. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are fans of puns. So thank you. Big thank you to Andrew for all that he shared with us today. We have so many great uh, contributors to the show, such as Andrew. And we're always grateful for the things that they share with us. Now, if you like what you heard, like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. Help us promote the channel. Help other people learn from the Visual Lounge as well as from Andrew and Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whether you're learning to make videos, use images, you know, whether using TechSmith products or somebody else's, we hope you take a little bit of time to stare out a window till you're bored and then you start working and then you can level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. We will see you guys all next week and we hope you have a good one. Take care. <laughs>